Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Hi, welcome to this week's In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto. We've got a great show on tap today. We've got David Blackman's coming up in just a few minutes with a really, really good interview. I'm not going to give away what that's going to be about. But before we get to that, I do want to cover you know, a couple of things with you. Shale Mag, cover party coming up. When is that going to be? September 22nd. And and what Houston, is Texas. let's talk about this cover party. This is another very very important individual that we're going to be honoring at this cover party. Yes, well, it's Regina Mayer. Um, you know, KPMG is a global company. She's actually heading up the energy department for this global company. So we were really excited to have her on the cover, tell her story. You know, she's been in the military. She's a very dynamic woman, and so we're really excited to be honoring her on the cover uh, at her, at, at our cover party, September twenty second in Houston. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Let's talk about TEAK, the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. Why is this such an important organization for everybody to join? Well, because the first thing that we want to do is set up networking opportunities for businesses, sales reps, account managers, you name it, from all walks of life. So it doesn't necessarily need, need they don't need to be in the energy sector. Actually, it's okay if you're not, but we want to bring people together. We want to help develop business uh, communication to help develop uh, greater economic development between different populations of people. But the other really important thing is, you know, we live in Texas and Texas is huge on oil and gas. It's important we know the benefits to oil and gas to us. It's also important that we also get engaged and involved in the process. You know, we send elected officials to Austin every two years and they're making decisions on behalf of us as Texans. Well, Kim, you know, not only do we send our elected officials to Austin every two years, there's also this big bureaucracy in the state of Texas that needs to hear our voice. And the industry needs an advocate. The Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, the bureaucracy needs to hear our voice, our elected officials need to hear our voices, and you need to join TEAK. How does somebody join Teak? They can visit shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G slash T-E-A-C and click on the link and they can join right there. It's free to join. It's free to be involved. What do you have to lose? You're going to grow your business and you're going to meet a lot of great and interesting people as well. I go to shalemag.com forward slash Teak, T-E-A-C and join Teak. We need your voices to send to our elected officials in Austin. We need your voices to be heard by the bureaucracy in, in the state of Texas. And, you know, we just we need you to be a part of this organization. With that, Kim, let's bring in our first guest. He's our resident oil and gas expert, David Blackman. Kim? Thank you, Alvin. And today we have back on the show our energy expert, David Blackman, who's with DB Energy Advisors. David, welcome back to In the Oil Patch. Thanks. Happy to be here. So, David, welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. You know, last week we were having a discussion on uh, the politics for the last couple of weeks, and now we've had some real big things occurring. One of them, of course, is the meeting that occurred between Donald Trump and the president of Mexico, Enrique Peña Nieto. 
Tell me, what did you think about the meeting and Trump's speech on immigration that was delivered afterward? And how impactful do you think it's going to be on his, the presidential race? Well, I, you know, it, it was a very interesting thing. Um, and I think it is going to have an impact here in the, the short term, uh, positively for Trump. It, it, just the fact that uh, uh, President uh, Nieto reached out to him and invited him to come down there for the meeting says that, uh, you know, he is he is thinking that Trump is a very viable candidate to win the race or you can be reaching out to him in that way. And the fact that Trump, on a day's notice, was willing to go down there, have a discussion, and do a joint press conference is pretty impressive. Um, that's not something that would happen in the Obama administration, where they have to plot and uh, you know think about everything for two weeks before they do anything. So it, it was a pretty impressive day for him. Uh, just being there with the president of another country, holding a joint press conference, you made him look very presidential. Um, and then the speech last night, uh, which I was able to listen to, um, was a real tempering of his message on immigration, even though, you know, he continues his rather bombastic speaking style on the stump. But, uh, you know, basically when you, when you listen to exactly what he said in the speech, what he's saying is, uh, in his administration, he would actually enforce immigration laws as they are on the books and have been on the books for many years. Uh, you know, the question on, on immigration is not uh, a need for more laws to change laws. It's just the fact that we've had two consecutive presidential administrations who refuse to enforce the laws. And there are a lot of reasons behind that. And so the basic change that Trump is promising in his administration is that he would simply step up enforcement of existing laws. So, you know, all in all, I watched some of the news coverage this morning. It was very positive, even from you know, the, the major TV networks who hate him, uh, by and large. And, and, and so, you know, it was a big day. It was a big day for him. And, you know, no one has ever said uh, that they want to separate families. That was, I mean, I don't believe that Trump meant to say he wants to send everybody back. I think if you've been here for a long time, you're applying for your citizenship or you start the process and you have been a contributor to the United States, your children are in school and college. That is not the issue and that's not the problem. It's the criminals and it's the ones who uh, refuse to get legalized. But moving on and changing this, with that uh, delivery of his immigration speech. The polls have been tightening uh, over the last month. And so just two weeks ago, the national news media was painting Trump as dead and he can't make a comeback. So what do you think is happening right now? Well, I, I, I you know, personally, I think what's happening has been very predictable. Uh, the Trump's whole thing uh, in this campaign, in the, in the general election campaign, is simply to convince the public that he isn't dangerous. And and stop doing stupid things like getting into a, a, a national media back and forth with Mr. Khan, like he did after uh, the conventions. And and for the last three weeks, he hasn't done anything stupid. He has uh, appeared very presidential. He's been a lot calmer in his rhetoric and and a lot more organized on the stuff. And and at the same time, Mrs. Clinton continues to have scandal after scandal after scandal pop up. So the fact that the polls are now evening up, and in fact, Trump is now ahead in three different tracking polls as of this morning, Thursday morning, um, you know, he's, he, it's, it's just the, the, the nature of this election is that 
This is Trump's election to lose. And if he can convince the public he isn't dangerous, he's going to win because the public does not want to elect Mrs. Clinton. But but he has to make himself more acceptable than Mrs. Clinton as a candidate. And so if he can continue for the next two months to do what he's done the last three weeks, at the end of the day, this will not be a close vote. It'll be a semi-landslide uh, win for him. But, uh, you know, if he if he falls back into these silly things that, that he's, you know, he's been prone to do in the past, then, you know, it's going to be a very tight and close election. I think when, when the public thinks about it, is he um, an electable president, is he going to keep us safe, I think we need to really think about also the other side of the coin, which would be a Hillary presidency in which there are no checks and balances for her and accepting money from foreign governments and anyone who has uh, a desire to come in and play politics in the United States that's from outside of the United States. Uh, you know, we've seen that with her foundation that um, there's a lot of money that's flowing. And in my, you know, humble opinion, that's also a different kind of danger, but it's a very serious danger because it's a national threat danger as well. Yep. So I don't particularly like that either, and I am not convinced uh, she's making good choices uh, as, a, as a candidate, and, uh, and we've seen her for 30 years, so we, can, we pretty much know what we're going to expect with her versus Trump is not a candidate that um, you know was groomed in Washington, D.C., so I'm sure he looks at things very differently. Uh, moving on, though, you know, the, the strange thing is, is that because he's not from D.C. and he's not an insider, he's not a, a politician, a career politician, do you think that he's not preparing the same way as other candidates have in the past? Is this going to hurt him? Well, yeah. You know, we've been in the last couple of weeks here, one of the good examples is how he's preparing for the debates, which I think the first one is September 26th, and there will be three of them, as they're usually on. Uh, instead of getting a... a you know, a highly paid consultant to coach him. He has instead, you know, and prepare a bunch of talking points, which, you know, all the regular politicians always do on every potential question. Uh, he's simply been sitting down with some close advisors like Rudy Giuliani and Newt Gingrich and Chris Christie and others and um, having conversations about the issues and, you know, getting their advice on how he should respond if, if uh, certain things are brought up. So it's a... You know, and, and quite honestly, I think that's exactly what he should be doing. He is a different candidate, and, and the main reason he is where he is is that he is not a polished politician. And so, you know, there's just a major portion of, of the population that really finds that refreshing and wants a a real change from what we've had going on in Washington. So if he were to, you know, be coached and, and have pre-prepared talking points, uh, you know, on every question, then he would just look like just another politician. So I think it's really smart on his part and exactly what he should be doing. Now, having said that, the, the news media will be extremely critical of that and try to make it appear clownish and all that. But uh, they've been doing that, you know, for the last 14 months, and it hasn't really worked out too well for them. You know, I just look at both candidates, and, and while I am, you know, not saying which way I will vote, I see that one is not polished, but seems sincere, and the other one seems career and consistently does not. It, I have a problem with trust of what is really truthful and what is not. So yeah. that being said, that's just 
Kim's point of view and Kim's thoughts for the day. <laughs> David, thank you so much for joining us and talking to me a little bit about politics and what's going on this week. And so next week, we look forward to you coming back on the show next week. And next week, I want to cover uh, some of the process that happened with the Texas Railroad Commission, uh, sunset their sunset review. Good deal. We'll do it. David Blackman, thank you so much for joining us again this week and being our resident energy expert here on In the Oil Patch. But we do need to take a quick break right now. Dr. Tom Tunstall is coming up, so stay with us because we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kim Bellotto, host of In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and I'd like to invite you to a very special two-day seminar, Oil & Gas 101, sponsored by PISA, Emerging Leaders Committee, and GE Oil & Gas, on September 28th and 29th. So why is it so important to attend Oil & Gas 101? Because this seminar gives you an overview of exploration, drilling, and production phases of oil and natural gas wells. There will be presentations on related subjects, including economics and refining, too. So for more information, go to PISA.org slash events. Again, that's PISA, P-E-S-A, dot org slash events. See you there. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, alongside your host, Kim Bellotto. Kim, great guest with us today, Dr. Tom Tunstall. He's the Senior Research Director for the University of Texas at San Antonio Institute for Economic Development. And, you know, like I said in the last segment, the allergies are kind of with me today. So why don't you take it away, Kim, and I'll jump in when I can. Well, Alvin, um, thank you for introducing our guest. You know, Dr. Tunstall has been uh, a a writer for Shell Magazine, also is a great advisor to the publication as well. And, um, you know, through these years uh, of Shell being around and the oil patch, we've, uh, since we are not of the industry, we are individuals that are in the community trying to learn about oil and gas. Dr. Tunstall has been one of the most refreshing experts we have, um, and we enjoy having him on the show because he's just a wealth of knowledge. So, Dr. Tunstall, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thanks, Kim. Glad to be here. I'm so glad you're back. So we've got a lot of things to discuss, but the first thing I want to do is is talk a little bit about what you do at the university uh, in San Antonio, University of Texas in San Antonio. The, the work I do is in the Institute for Economic Development, which actually has about 12 programs, uh, a lot of them hands-on economic development programs related to either helping small businesses or working with uh, community leaders in, in uh rural, the underserved rural areas of, of South and West Texas. Uh, that Small Business Development Center network also extends into the Caribbean, Mexico, Central, and uh, uh, South America. And so uh, we have a, a pretty formidable network of, uh, of uh, economic development programs uh, serving both South and West Texas as well as uh, uh, points south of, of the U.S., uh, my group does the research at the Institute, and uh, we've completed a variety of economic impact studies, obviously the Eagleford Shale, the Klein Shale in West Texas, but also uh, uh, studies dealing with the uh, San Antonio missions sites uh, uh, and, and their UNESCO World Heritage designation that they recently received a study on uh, that will be coming out on the economic impact of uh, Fiesta. Uh, we recently completed a, a, a study for uh, on small business for the governor's office uh, in Texas and we'll be uh, um, performing another survey for the governor's office here uh, statewide on small businesses as well so 
variety of projects. Actually, one of the more, more interesting things I just found out about uh, this past week was uh, we got the go-ahead for a study on the prospects for shale oil and gas development in Argentina, which is likely to be the next big shale play. Probably uh, things will move faster there than uh, they're, they're moving in Mexico just uh, because um, there's a variety of reasons. But uh, the, the biggest has to do with the fact that Argentina's tapped into most of their shale, uh, their conventional oil and gas reserves already. Mexico is not. And so uh, they're very keen to uh, develop their very formidable reserves of oil and, and gas in Argentina. So they're very excited about that. What an interesting time we live. You know, four or five years ago when shale in Eagle Ford was just kind of blossoming, uh, y'all's department or the university really helped a lot of the little communities and towns, the, the drilling towns, really understand uh, with the revenue coming in, what are some of the best ways to invest it in to ensure a future development, as well as, you know, as, as, as uh, Mexico took off and there was a lot of infrastructure issues and they were trying to uh, develop their onshore play. You guys also had a huge part of trying to help them understand how to um, coordinate and get their uh, oil and gas plays and, and all the legislative stuff that they needed to have happen and as well as what happens here with royalty right owners and stuff like that. You guys did some studies for them as well, kind of helping them along. Was, is that correct? In Mexico? In Mexico. Yeah, that's and that's very much still a work in progress. Uh, uh, Mexico is, is still working on uh, tendering the, the remainder of the blocks that they're going to, to lease and once uh, once they do that, then the activity should should begin somewhat in earnest. Um, um, I imagine there there's already is activity in in the shallow water blocks that they've leased out, but deep water is going to be particularly interesting because that that is something Pemex did not have the wherewithal to tap into. Uh, they're going to need foreign partners uh, or foreign companies operating uh, more or less independently to uh, to develop those, and and they're you know while on the U.S. side of the Gulf of Mexico, there's been extensive uh, deep water oil and gas development. Uh, it's 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 virtually uh, 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 untapped territory on the Mexico side. So there's there's a, still a lot of opportunity for Mexico. And now we're going to see Argentina take off, which is great and it's amazing. But I think some of the most interesting uh, things to have watched over the past you know four or five years is how oil and gas is definitely not for the faint at heart. I mean, you pretty much is put your seatbelt on, buckle up, and get ready for a ride, no matter which area uh, starts on their shell plays or oil and gas production, whether it's the United States, uh, Mexico, now Argentina, and then, of course, worldwide of seeing some of the dynamics that are coming out with, like, OPEC, uh, and they're changing pace so quickly to try to keep up with the U.S., uh, producers and what's occurring here too. And so I want to kind of get into that with you. We're going to take a real quick break. And when we come back, we'll be back with geopolitical scene and what you think is happening as a result of all of the oil and gas plays going on all over the United States and the world. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, alongside your host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest today, Dr. Tom Tunstall. We'll be right back. Managers, bosses, supervisors. Hey, flu season is here. Don't let the flu bug bite your employees. Banish sick days and keep your workforce strong, healthy, and productive with Baptist Healthy Solutions, your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you. Our mobile health unit delivers on-site, state-of-the-art, comprehensive care that keeps your employees healthy from the day they're hired till the day they retire. 
Trust Baptist Healthy Solutions with your workforce health care needs. Health care that comes to you. Call 866-334-2485. Again, that's 866-334-2485. Hi, Haley Curry here, Vice President of External Affairs at the South Texas Energy and Economic Roundtable, or STEER. STEER is calling all oil and gas industry companies, contractors, and all community stakeholders to submit an entry or nominate a deserving company or organization for the fourth annual Eagleford Excellence Awards. The Eagleford Excellence Awards provides oil and gas companies, organizations, and their contractors an opportunity to be acknowledged for their efforts in preserving the environment, contributing to the communities in which they work, and promoting safety in and around the workplace. For more information and to nominate a company or organization, please email info at steer.com or visit steer.com slash EFEA. Once again, that's info at steer.com or visit steer.com slash EFEA. Submit your entry or nomination today. Good luck. Hey, oil and gas friends, Alvin Bailey here. You know, every week, Kim and I work really hard to bring you up to speed with what's going on out here in the Texas oil patch. I also want to take just a minute to talk to you about your fleet needs. Whether you have one truck or 1,000 trucks in your fleet, I can help you. Call me when you have a minute and let's talk trucks. Did you know that the Kalig Auto Group offers pickup and delivery right from our service departments? And I'll bring the dealership right to your desk. You don't need to drop what you're doing and come waste hours and hours of your valuable time haggling over pennies. I have a very transparent process with a simple pricing formula that ensures you're always going to get a very competitive price and the very best service available in the industry. So call me today, area code 830-480-3656. Again, 830-480-3656, and let's talk. The Kalig Auto Group has Ford and Ram trucks for your heavy-duty needs. We also carry Mazda, Subaru, Volkswagen, Jeep, even Lincoln and Lexus for your luxury needs, and we have an Audi store coming soon. So whether you need work trucks for your day-to-day -day business or a new Lincoln or Lexus for you personally, call me. My cell number is 830-480-3656. Again, 830-480-3656, or you can always email me a Bailey at KaligAuto.com. That's A Bailey, B A I L E Y, at Kalig, K A H L I G, Auto, A U T O.com. I look forward to seeing you down the road. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kimball Auto. And today our special guest is Dr. Tom Tunstall, the Senior Research Director for the University of Texas at San Antonio's Institute for Economic Development. Dr. Tunstall, would, before we went to the break, I think Kim wanted to talk a little bit about OPEC and a little bit about some of the geopolitical events that are going on around the world, and and I'm just going to hand it to you with that. What, what are your thoughts on what's going on on the world stage right now? It's interesting to continue to watch OPEC because uh, a lot of their members would like to see some sort of agreement with regard to a production freeze. And, uh, and, and of course, that's very hard to do because uh, there's really – Basically, their members would like to see the price rise without having to, to cut back on production. And so nobody's keen to do that. I, I, I did read recently that they, they would like to see the price get somewhere between $50 and, and $60 a barrel. Uh, but, you know, personally, I'm, I'm skeptical. It's always been difficult to uh, get OPEC members to agree and actually abide by um, any sort of production quotas. 
Uh, and, and, and we certainly know that Iran has been key to continue to try to, now that they can sell their oil globally, to continue to ramp up production there. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and that's frankly typical of, of a lot of the members. Uh, Saudi Arabia is, is still producing it at or uh, near record levels. Uh, and they're even taking steps now to try and lower their costs of production, uh, which potentially could put more pressure on, on other producers. Um, some of the other OPEC members can't produce anywhere near as efficiently as Saudi Arabia. So they'd like to see a price hike, but again, nobody really wants to cut production. Do we still have a glut of oil on the market? Yeah, and it's it's interesting because even in the U.S. where steps have been taken by a lot of producers to, to cut back, the oil inventory numbers appear to keep keep rising. We, we just got surprised uh, back in uh, uh, late August uh, of another 2.3 million additional barrels uh, that were, were not expected to be in storage that, that apparently are. So um, until we work off these excess supplies, both domestically as well as uh, around the world, I think it's going to be very tough to see oil prices climb uh, very much above $50 a barrel. You think the switch over to winter blend that's coming in the next month or two is going to make a difference? Um, not really. Um, and, and in fact, uh, what, what there's, uh, again, just what I've been seeing in the press recently is that, uh, they're, they're, uh, now they have, there's a glut of, uh, refine of gasoline on the market, which, uh, you know, means that there'll be less oil, uh, refined to produce gasoline, which, which potentially, potentially could back up inventories still, still further a bit, you know, not a lot, but, you know, at this point, you know, anything along the margins uh, can be painful with regard to pricing. Right. Well, you know, the fact that the U.S. seems to have moved into being the swing producer, I think, helps minimize the impact. Because if you if you just let OPEC do what they do, we would still continue to be going down the same one-way street with no way uh, to back back out of it. So there are some good things, I think, that have occurred as a result of a very painful process for the oil and gas industry. But that being said, I want to just switch gears a little bit. And I want to ask you your opinion on we are definitely in uh, the political season where uh, we are now running uh, or you know, looking for a new president. And both of them have energy policies. Um, the last administration has had a lot of regulatory um, actions pertaining to oil and gas, whether it was the EPA or uh, Waters of America. There was just a, there's a lot of regulation coming down on oil and gas, which has an impact on them, but it also has an impact on us. So tell me what you think these different energy policies that both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump have, and which one do you think is going to do better for the energy industry? You know, that's a hard question to answer just because it's, I don't think either candidate has spent a lot of time articulating uh, anything resembling a a, a coherent uh, energy policy. Um, you know, certainly Hillary Clinton has been talking more about uh, things like uh, college tuition and uh, uh, programs along those lines. Uh, now, to the extent that supposedly uh, Hillary Clinton would represent a third term for Obama, then, you know, we, we've certainly seen what what the administration has done with regard to uh, issues such as the uh, uh, use of the EPA to, to regulate the oil and gas industry, which has typically been regulated at the state level, uh, and and the uh, uh, the uh, refusal to approve the uh, Keystone XL pipeline, uh, 
you know, with, with Trump, uh, I, I, I don't know that I've heard a whole lot specifically with regard to energy policy. What is interesting, though, is that while one would assume, if only because Trump's running as a Republican, that that might be the more industry-friendly candidate, uh, I, I was uh, recently read that um, Hillary Clinton has actually uh, been able to pick up more campaign funding from the oil and gas industry than Trump has. So uh, just some interesting dynamics. This is really an election year that uh, uh, breaks the mold. It's, uh, I don't think we've seen anything like this since uh, uh, probably uh, the late 1860s in terms of uh, political upheaval and, and just general unpredictability. It's definitely an interesting time in politics. Well, with that, Tom, we have to take a real quick break, and we'll be right back within the Oil Patch Radio Show. Hey folks, join Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine in partnership with the Corpus Christi Regional Economic Development Corporation for the second annual State of Energy event. Shale Magazine and the CCREDC will welcome industry leaders, business and community stakeholders for a discussion on the current state of energy sectors that include exploration and production, LNG and refineries and the industry's future opportunities and challenges in a disruptive market. Our keynote speaker will be Karen Harbert, president and CEO of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce's Institute for the 21st Century. We'll also have a special panel of speakers that you won't want to miss. It's all happening on October 12, 2016 at the Omni Hotel in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. Doors open at 11.15 and the speakers begin at 11.30 a.m. So get your tickets at the CCREDC website. That's www.ccredc.com. Again, get your tickets at www.ccredc.com, and we look forward to seeing you there. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, alongside your host, Kimball Otto, and our special guest today, Dr. Tom Tunstall. Dr. Tunstall, Corpus Christi, let's talk LNG for a minute and, and what's going on with the LNG export plans and programs that are that are sprouting up along the Texas coastline? There are six facilities that are either planned or uh, are actually operating. Uh, most of them are still either in the planning or construction stages uh, for LNG export. Three of them are in the Brownsville area, uh, and it's not clear that those will receive approval. I think there's a lot of uh, uh, public pushback uh, that may uh, cause it you know, problems, issues, whatever, for, for some of those uh, proposed facilities. But uh, uh, there are LNG export projects planned that will come to fruition. Uh, you know, one uh, uh, that Chenier is operating has already uh, sent its, its, its first, at least its first shipment, maybe first shipments of, of LNG. Uh, what's interesting, though, is how the market's changed a bit for LNG exporters. Uh, they Originally, when, when these plants were, were on the books and going through the approval process, price of natural gas in Japan was extremely high um, after the, uh, uh, and after the Fukushima uh, uh, nuclear meltdown, uh, the, the country made concerted efforts to shift a lot of its electricity production from nuclear to, to natural gas, and so they were are were expected and have continued to uh, import a lot of natural gas but because for them natural gas prices are linked to oil as the price of oil dropped so did the price of natural gas and it's uh, when i when i checked last it was selling at around four dollars per thousand cubic feet in japan which uh 
uh, down from 16 or $17. And so that, that makes a, a real tough case. In fact, there is no case for export from the U.S. at those prices. So LNG exporters from the U.S. are now going to have to look at other countries and probably not Europe either because uh, a lot of most of their natural gas comes from Russia and, and Gazprom, which pretty much has the uh, uh, monopoly uh, uh, on that market, has indicated that they're willing to cut prices to, to retain market share. And, and all they have to do is drop prices down to about $7. And, uh, and after that, the case for U.S. companies exporting LNG to Europe pretty much goes away. Also, so I think the the LNG producers in the U.S. will be looking to developing countries where they can uh, put off uh, floating regasification platforms, and South America, which still imports uh, significant quantities of natural gas. Mexico, that's not so much the case because they've got pipelines from Texas uh, and, and and are able to uh, well, and, and a lot of them are already operating. I mean, Mexico's already importing uh, in excess of a trillion cubic feet annually of natural gas from the U.S., uh, but it's coming through pipeline. They don't need to use uh, tankers, which are more expensive, obviously, than, than pipelines. Well, you know, Dr. Tunstall, the amazing thing I think about Corpus Christi is they really understand how important energy is to their community and how it really does directly involve their economic development. And so the citizens are very supportive of the activities that are going on through the port, and as a community, they come together and they build on these projects. So, so is the Corpus Christi Economic Development um, Corporation out there. They, they, they work really well. They get it. And I'm, you know, so happy that our state of energy for Texas is actually out there. And, and part of the reason why we had selected Corpus is because of the fact that these residents really get how important energy is to their market. Well, I want to change gears a little bit and just talk about another uh, area that is truly um, seeing exponential growth pertaining to oil rigs, and that's the Permian Basin area. And just to kind of give a perspective, um, so Permian Basin has about 200 rigs out there right now, which is the Midland, Odessa area, um, and Abilene, whereas other areas like Eagle Ford are sitting at like 30. So let's talk a little bit about, there's been some uh, oil and gas operators like Apache that have made the news recently for purchasing and acquiring some acreage out there. And they're uh, basically saying that they could be sitting on anywhere from 2 billion barrels out there in that area. Tell me a little bit about Permian Basin area. What do you think is their secret sauce, if you will, as to why they have 200 rigs um, right now in production, which is a huge windfall for that area out there, as well as the state of Texas with taxes that are being uh, generated. You have to remember that the Permian Basin, West Texas, uh, sort of came late to the uh, shale oil and gas party. Um, you know, Probably the first oil play in the U.S. was the Bakken up in North Dakota, and then the Eagleford Shale followed on a couple of years later, which actually uh, the Eagleford started as a natural gas uh, play. And, and uh, when the price of natural gas dropped so precipitously, the uh, it was relatively easy for the producers to switch over to produce oil because Eagle for Jail has quantities of both. Uh, so, you know, after that, there was a sort of exploratory activity in the Permian, and, and uh, a lot of the producers experimented with different techniques, but uh, uh, as as time has progressed, they've they've really figured out uh, in a couple of areas how to produce uh, significant quantities profitably. Uh, in many cases, uh, at thirty dollars a barrel. So, um, and and 
as far as we can tell, it's currently the Sprayberry and the Delaware basins appear to be seeing most of the activity, uh, and that contrasts with an early shale formation that was thought to have a lot of promise, the Klein shale, um, uh, that has turned out, the results there have been disappointing to date. Um, it may see some future activity, but so far the, the main activity has been elsewhere. The thing that's interesting about the Apache purchase is that uh, it's, it's taken place pretty much outside of the usual area you associate with the Permian. It's uh, uh, toward the city of Alpine, uh, east of uh, Fort Stockton. And um, uh, it could represent, uh, you know, really an unexpected uh, bounty from, from the Permian Basin uh, because it's, it's in, the, in areas that typically have not been producing. Yeah, the, the, the Permian has really been the, the staple of the Texas oil business. And, you know, we've added Eagle Ford, and, and there's some other things that are working. But uh, I do want to talk about some of the other shale plays and what's going on in them. But right now, we, we've got to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey, alongside your host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest, Dr. Tom Tunstall. We'll be right back. Psst. Hey, you. Do you want to go to the fastest growing oil and gas mixer in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business, so you got my attention, but what is Teak? Teak is the Texas Energy Advocate Coalition, and we hold free business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Is there a fee to join? Not for the next 90 days. It's completely free. So there's no charge to join, no charge to attend mixers, but we do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where do I go? You go to shellmag.com slash teak, T-E-A-C, and click the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. So let me write this down. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com slash T-E-A-C. Yes. Well, that sounds good. I'll see you at the next mixer. Oilfield experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oilfield experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch. Alvin Bailey here alongside your host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest, Dr. Tom Tunstall. Kim? Dr. Tunstall, before the break, we were talking about Permian Basin and having over a 200 rig count currently. Um, how do some of the other shell plays in, the, uh, in North America stack up, and which ones do you believe are doing well, all things considered, um, of some of the other shell plays? Rather be in the United States or even outside the United States? Outside the, the United States, there's, there's really, uh, that's one of the interesting things about the unconventional techniques. That, uh, so far, there really hasn't been any other country that's uh, had any significant production. Uh, that's, that's clearly going to change, but, uh, but so far that hasn't been the case. The techniques were pi pioneered here and, um, uh, you know, new finds or, or, or I guess new techniques continue to be developed here. Uh, and, and, and when you talk about the different shale fields in the U.S., you, you sort of have to differentiate a little bit between oil and gas field. And so, uh, you know, I don't know that there's, uh, you know, if there's, if there's a big find um, right now underway in the U.S., it's in the Permian uh, between the acreage purchases by uh, Apache and uh uh, EOG just made an acquisition that's going to extend their foot, footprint well into the Permian, and, and they're, uh, by all accounts, uh, uh, 
the leader in terms of, of employing these new technologies to uh, produce as, um, uh, as efficiently or more efficiently than anybody. Um, that's really, I, I, I think, where, where you're going to see a lot of attention in, uh, in the next few years, uh, in, in fact, decades. Well, you know, I want to switch gears again and get us back into what you guys do in your department. You guys are known for doing research as well. And um, you are working on a couple of really cool projects. I mean, most of our listeners, um, some are not from the San Antonio area, and so they don't know necessarily what Fiesta is. But I'll I'll tell our listeners, Fiesta is a 10-day shut down the city and party and eat as many turkey legs and gorditas as you can. Carnival Uh, and carnival and uh, just a great time, great music, great folks, great people. Fiesta is what Mardi Gras wishes it was. There you go. (laughs) But you are uh, doing a research. uh, You're doing research on the Fiesta Commission. Tell us about that and the other ones that you're working on as well. Sure, and it's interesting, uh, especially with the. uh, oil and gas boom that we saw over the last few years uh, in, in the economic impact reports we'd done uh, in the West Texas area and in South Texas. Uh, a lot of people tended to view us as uh, an energy research shop or an oil and gas research uh, organization. And we're really not. I mean, if there's a common theme that runs through our research, it's economic development. And, and clearly, there are significant economic development aspects associated with oil and gas uh, production. But uh, but we're also, we're doing research, uh, 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 as you mentioned, on uh, the economic impact of uh, this last year's Fiesta, the 2016 Fiesta. Uh, we are doing analysis on a couple of missions in San Antonio because the missions consist of both the built environment, the, the missions themselves, as well as the people living in the area. There's a cultural aspect to it that needs to be preserved in order to maintain that world heritage status. And so we're uh, doing some analysis to try and understand what businesses uh, that uh, or business opportunities there may be to that, that still sort of retain the cultural sensitivity that, that we want to maintain in the area. Uh, we do, we're, we're undertaking a new study for the governor's office on, uh, uh, it'll be a survey of small businesses. We recently completed uh, uh, a secondary analysis uh, on the state of small business in Texas. Uh, and and uh, we also found out uh, recently that we're going to be doing a study on uh, Argentina's shale oil and gas production. They're uh, uh, very excited about their prospects and are moving aggressively into that area. And um, um, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what the numbers look like from there. Well, one thing is for sure, uh, you guys have a lot of research work underway. Um, when are some of these reports going to come out? Both the Fiesta study and the uh, the mission study were uh, commissioned by uh, orga- organizations. In the case of the Fiesta, it was commissioned by by the Fiesta Commission. And uh, for the uh, uh, San Antonio missions, the uh, city of San Antonio asked us to, to do that analysis. And so and we, we've actually delivered a sort of a preliminary report to them, but we're also, we also want to inform the study with a survey, which is actually underway as, as we speak. Uh, I imagine that the city will make those uh, results public probably toward the end of this year, uh, the end of 2016. Um, the Fiesta results might not come out until uh, maybe even early 2017. Um, and the small business study that the governor's office commissioned actually is available now, uh, and, and that's uh, that could be accessed via our website or, uh, you know, if, if, if someone, you know, gets in touch with 
me, I can send the report to them as well in a PDF version. So um, uh, basically all of our research uh, is available on our website uh, uh, as soon as it's available for public release. And Dr. Tunstall, if somebody wants to keep up with with research that you guys are releasing, how do they, what, what is your website? It's uh, ccbr.iedtexas.org. Uh, um, so um, I was going to say, yeah, it's, IED is an Institute for Economic Development, and in Texas is spelled out T-E-X-A-S. Again, that's on the World Wide Web, ccbr.iedtexas.org. IEDtexas.org. Dr. Tunstall, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to have you in studio with us. My pleasure, Alvin. Thanks. And you know, Kim, Dr. Tom Tunstall, what a great guest. We love having him on the show. He's just a wealth of knowledge and information. And I, I don't know about you, but I always learn something when he's here. Oh, I do too. He is just uh, amazing. He's so knowledgeable on so many different topics, but I guess that's what he does for a living. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, I think we should make Dr. Tom Tunstall the topic of today's trivia question. Of course. So today's question is, uh, on today's show, Dr. Tunstall talked about a research project he's working on pertaining to a event that happens yearly here in San Antonio. What is the name of the event that he is researching here in San Antonio. That's going to be a fun one, and it happens again next year. Email your response. Be the first correct email to radio at shalemag.com. Again, radio at shalemag, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com, and you'll win yourself a $75 gift certificate to the beautiful and the yummy Palm Restaurant in Houston, Texas. Kim, that's about going to wrap the, the show up this week, and again, it was a great show. Another great show in the books. I've Just, been a little under the weather, but, you know, love being here. I hope you feel better and hope the allergies clear up for you. In the meantime, be sure and like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash in the oil patch radio show and at shale mag on Twitter. And until next week, Kim, adios. Adios. In the oil patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.